Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here, right here at Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are you doing on this fine Friday midday afternoon? To quote the great philosopher, Wyatt, I am rolling. <laughs> okay. We have been rolling. That's from Tombstone. That's Doc Holiday. <laughs> Talking well, to Wyatt Earp. I only know one Doc Holiday, and we've already established that. Um, in, Doc Holiday and Supply Chain. Yes, and today's his birthday, Fred Tolbert. So, Fred, is it really? That is awesome. Uh, see, Facebook's good for something. Uh, yeah, they, they remind me. They alert you to everyone's birthdays. That's yes, right. Well, <clears throat> and alert you to to say to the world, "Happy birthday!" I love this person. Right? It makes yes. it uh, never been easier. Lest uh, you be forgotten as well as they. <laughs> so, Fred, wherever you are, I hope you have a wonderful birthday, the Doc Holiday of Supply Chain. But, hey, today is all about reverse logistics as we continue our very popular series dedicated to reverse logistics leadership. Yeah. Uh, growing. Uh, you talk about spaces that are growing in importance and not just going back through the pandemic, but, but going back you know, 10 years or so. Tony will say a lot more than that. But you know, this is a really important space and dialogue to be talking about for the, the global in the end supply chain industry, right? Undoubtedly. You know, we keep talking about end to end, but truly it's more circular and network driven. And that's right. Reverse is a great, it's a great example of that, right? When you talk about reverse logistics, it's stuff coming back. Actually, the optimization of reverse logistics is to keep as much from stuff from coming back as possible, right? So I love that philosophy. Every time we have Tony on, I say that. I think one of the best things we can do to optimize reverse logistics is to eliminate it. It's obviously impossible to do that, but as long as we continue to strive for that, it's powerful, right? It's impactful to the economy. It's impactful to productivity. It's impactful to sustainability. It's powerful stuff. Agreed. And I'm going to go to my death talking end to end. I can't, it's a phrase that's just. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I, I think a lot of people get their knickers in a twist over it's a network, it's a circle or whatever it is. But the truth is, it's, you know, it's just nomenclature. Right. You know, having just published a, a little supply chain commentary on getting our nomenclature together, there are just certain things that are that are kind of tough, tough to do. Agreed, so. but you know the the greater the, the greater takeaway there should be we we got to push uh, circular thinking, circularity thinking into design, right? Because that, to your point, that will help us yeah. el eliminate even the need to recycle many things that are coming back and and some of the challenges we've got there. So, but anyway, stay tuned for a wonderful conversation. I promise you, you're going to learn things from this conversation with Tony and Oliver, which we're going to introduce momentarily that you hadn't thought of yet, and. Be ready for some Greg White hot takes, the patented hot takes, which I always enjoy from these conversations. Okay, so I'm going to kind of flip the script a bit. I'm going to welcome some folks, and then we're going to tackle some programming notes, and then we're going to welcome in our guests and get down to business. So let's do that, Greg. So first up, Trinevis tuned in via LinkedIn from India. And Trinevis, as always, hopefully this finds you and your family better. I think we're getting some, some, some good signs, some better signs there at least, Greg, huh? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I talked to Sneha by the way, who is heads down, working hard at her gig and has uh, had another a second child too. So obviously that's taken her time. She has her brother and her mother went over there because her grandmother passed away and they, they got stuck there, but they are starting to see the tide turn there as well. And she's hopeful that they can get back to the state soon. That's wonderful. So Shanivas, hope this finds you well. And Sneha, if you're listening, listening to the replay, all the best to you. Great to see you. Kevin's tuned in from New York City via LinkedIn. Hope this finds you uh, well, Kevin. Who we're talking to? We're talking someone other day from from New York and was talking about the weather. I think it it already heated up up there a bit. Was that Alex? Was that Alex Ramirez? No. I think you're right. Alex, Tony, Tom. So along those lines, we talked to a lot of people in New York. That's right, Jack. 
Olatola from Nigeria via LinkedIn is tuned in. Great to see you here. Vinay is back with us. Uh, Vinay, hope this finds you well. Uh, Great yeah, to see you. Cool. Jared, tune in from Newport News, Virginia. And I appreciate you sharing that, Jared. If you're new or I- even if you're not new, we love reminders. So tell us where you're tuned in from, what part of the world you're tuned in. I, I love to do that. Love to hear. Uh, Jennifer from the West Coast, gorgeous and sunny Los Angeles, California. <laughs> Mohit is with us, back with us, I believe, via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Michaela is tuned in via LinkedIn. If I if I mispronounce that, please set the record straight and set me set me straight too. See here, Luis from Portugal has tuned in. Vinay is wow. he's he's uh, we're kindred spirits here, right? Everything he yeah. says about reverse logistics is interesting. I think he's just melting Tony's heart there in the green room, isn't he? Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, I think. If there's anything Tony and and all the folks at RLA would like to see, it's more recognition, right? I think Tony has used the term "redheaded stepchild" before, yes. um, but I really, I really think the tide is turning on that, particularly in Europe, because of the legislation in Europe. We're seeing a lot of innovation as regards reverse and reuse and all of that coming out of out of uh, companies in Europe. Agreed. Agreed. Ashley. Just here getting my supply chain insights en route, Dublin from Galway. Galway. How about that? Very nice, Ashley. Look forward to your your voice and POV. You um, might run across uh, Mervin. Yes, that's right. right. Mervin is always tuned in to these live streams. He's there in Dublin. You'll have to get connected. Uh, one final uh, shout out, Memory. So, Memory, great to have you back uh, from Johannesburg. Congratulations, because you earned a big credential, something you've been working for for quite some time. Right. And uh, we're very proud of you and, and your perseverance and your achievement. So looking forward to what's to come. Uh, by the way, on a much lighter note, we had Dr. Mainsa from IBM yesterday. We were talking about New York City a minute ago, and Clay reminded me there in the green room, it was uh, Dr. Mainsa is in up in New York City. And so we had a playful moment, Knicks versus Hawks, because we, we, we've got two oh, games. Oh, right. <laughs> but he was he was much a much bigger uh, Manchester United fan, so uh, he pulled for the Knicks because his daughter swore him to pull for the Knicks. So any lives not right. City. But uh, great NBA playoffs are heating up. All right, so Greg, let's really quickly share a couple of program notes. Welcome everybody. Sorry we couldn't get to everybody. I see Peter and Lacey there and a bunch of the folks. Get ready for a great conversation. All right, so let's see if I can do this really quick. June 8th, our next webinar coming up with our friends at TransPlace. We're talking about real supply chain innovations, not the fluff and the cliche stuff. We're going to be talking about things that are really happening. That's part of the silver lining related to the pandemic here. So join us on June 8th at 12 noon. I think the link to sign up is in the show notes. And then, Greg, you like golf, right? I've heard of it, Scott. Yes, of course. I moved here from Phoenix, so I'm a huge Ping fan, right? Well, you know, I learned that that just because you purchase a nice, wonderful set of ping golf clubs, if you're a bad golfer, like it doesn't it doesn't change the game. So, but the cool thing is, is we're going to talk about ping. So, for all you golfers out there, we're going to be talking about ping's supply chain and the transformation yeah. that they've they've uh, gone through along with their friends at John Galt uh, over the last um, uh, year, two years. So, tune in for that June twenty second, twelve noon. I think the uh, link to register there is in the show notes as well. Yeah. An amateur golfer can overcome any advantage that, that outstanding clubs can, can give them Agreed. in just a few swings. So get good clubs. I mean, Ping's, you know, Ping, the reason that they became famous first was this amazing putter that Dr. Karsten Solheim invented that made the Ping sound, hence the name. And then he figured out a way to make clubs that were actually more forgiving. So Duffers like myself could play a little bit better. And I play with ping clubs to this day. <laughs> well, that is uh, not a paid endorsement. In fact, ping is the only club manufacturer that does not pay for endorsement. How about that? Right. They don't pay the pros to play their clubs. So, uh, well, they're not, they're definitely not paying me to put their name on my really bad game. And that's okay. But uh, <laughs> moving right along, hey, want to say hello to Felicia. Great to see you here. Uh, Rhonda, Rhonda, you didn't, you may have missed yesterday's show. We started at 1230 yesterday. And I tell you, check out the whole conversation, but in particular, check out the last 20 minutes that made our week here. And, uh, and Peter is confirming your historical note there. The fun fact that their name does come from the sound their driver makes. Okay. Uh, but yeah. 
Putter, sorry, putter mix. Um, all right, so Greg, we got to get down to business. You ready? I'm as ready as I ever am, you which I ready. think everybody in the community knows how ready that is. Greg's <laughs> always ready. All right, so I want to welcome in our two distinguished guests here today. We're really looking forward to continuing this this critical reverse logistics conversation and series. We've got Dr. William Oliver Hedgepeth, professor with American Public University, and of course, our dear old friend, Tony Sheroda, executive director with the Reverse Logistics Association. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. How are we doing? Doing well. Hello, everyone. So, hey there. You know, oh, as much as much as I would love to c- continue our pre-show music conversation, we're really enjoying <laughs> each other's company there. We're gonna t- <laughs> we're not talking music. We're gonna talk burgers. You know why we're gonna be talking burgers, folks? Because, because today, it's Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> well, that. But National Hamburger Day is today, yeah. Greg. Today. Uh, there's a day for everything, as we've learned. So what I want to do, I'm going to go around our panel here. And, of course, I want to hear from our friends in the cheap seats uh, community <laughs> out there. How do you make a perfect hamburger? Or if you'd rather not spill the beans there, where do you get a perfect hamburger? So your option here. And I want to start with our distinguished guest, Dr. Hedgepath, which we're going to refer to as Oliver because he warned us he'd break our arm if we didn't throughout the conversation. Correct. So, Oliver, where, tell us about this perfect hamburger. Well, the perfect hamburger I get is from my granddaughter, Ashley. She grinds up steaks. When grind gets a steak, she doesn't go buy hamburger anymore. She makes her own hamburger wow. and grinds it up. And uh, I usually go to the store and just buy a pack of hamburgers and cook them. But uh, she grinds them up, and then I put onions and cheese in it. That's all I put in it. And it tastes pretty good, but she's got some secret something she sprinkles in it, and she won't tell me what it is, and some kind of Heinz 57 plus something else. And it tastes a lot better than mine, but I prefer just going to the store and buying it. That's what I used to do all my life, and throwing right. it on my charcoal grill. But she grinds up the meat. Now, who in the world grinds up a steak for a cheeseburger? Are you kidding me? Man. Hey, but she does, it's good. If yeah, it works. It's a steak burger. It's yes. a steak burger. It's a good burger. Hers are mine taste. They're okay after you've had about three Coronas. <laughs> well, as memory memory agrees with you, you want a perfect hamburger. You got to make it yourself. And as Leah says, juicy burger secret: mix barbecue sauce and onions in the meat because it keeps the moisture. How about that? Okay, so Tony, continuing our burger uh, conversation. What's your take? I'll go to the other side and I'll tell you, um, being from Detroit, and some of your team knows, um, great hamburger joints in Detroit. And uh, uh, one of the favorites was there. Yeah, I'm not going to give away the years. It's yeah, been there a not, long time. Uh, Miller's Burger Place, Miller's Pub in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, not far from Ford World Headquarters. And it's been there so long that the, that the grill has absorbed all the moisture of people sweating over it as they cook. And it's really added to the flavor. Those of you who think it's a little weird, I'm sorry, but it's great. Just a simple cheeseburger with onion. And uh, and from a grill that is seasoned for thirty plus years or more, this was before my time. So uh, that's that's my uh, that's my go to, and I get to go there next week. So I'm all excited about it. Well, it's wonderful. Uh, the the visual you paint for us, Tony. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll, I'll the jury's out on that one. However, on a serious note, happy bir- happy 27th birthday to Tony, who celebrated that. Yeah, this that's week. right. Thank you. And good to good to good to burgers have on us, Tony. Yeah, Still right. kicking. <laughs> Still so, Greg, on that note, what's your what's your take? Steamed and grilled buttered bun, thin patty. This is a unique Wichita way of making burgers. <laughs> grilled on a grill, fried onions, mustard, and dill pickle only. That's it. Wow. Okay. Uh, as, but as I'm not man- too particular. <laughs> I, I know better. I know better. But I bet it's delicious, Greg. I bet it, you, you've made us hungry. As Amanda says, got to have a hamburger now. Know what's going to be for dinner tonight. Agree. Well, of course, and it should be. It's National that's Hamburger right. Day, right? That's, that's right. All right. National so Supply Chain. I had Supply Chain for dinner. <laughs> um, all right. So one more fun question before we get into uh, the heavy lifting. We're going to talk about, you know, we're getting signs from at least across the states, right? We, as we talked about yesterday, we got to get the globe, the entire world, into post-pandemic current state. However, we're starting to see a lot of signs here in the states that folks are starting to really get back to normal, which is wonderful, and or at least, Greg, I'm gonna have to say it, the new normal because it, we know it's gonna be a little different, and some things have changed for the permanent, and some things are changed for the temporary. But regardless, the good news yeah. is 
things are starting to loosen back up. So on that note, Oliver, back to you. Any big tradition you're looking forward to here as we get into summer in the next few months? Well, yeah, we live about uh, an hour and a half away from, we got a little beach condo on a place called Willoughby Spit, and it's down in Virginia Beach area, but it's uh, about a 20-mile stretch where only residents seem to be able to park, and so on a weekend like Hmm. this, the 4th of July, you go on the beach and it's like, you know, 10 people in any direction, and we haven't been there since, gosh, 2018, because of this pandemic thing, so when I hang up these headsets... We're getting ready to go there for an hour and a half also today and to come back and do some grilling. But sit on the beach, put our umbrella up, and grills those hamburgers my granddaughter is making. And uh, have fun looking at the beach and walking along and picking up some seashells and just getting a suntan. That's, you know, that's me. That's cool. And I can look off and see the Navy ships coming in because we're right there with the ships coming in, the submarines mm-hmm. and all that. Just being on the beach, man, getting away. That's Whoa, it's time to do it. <laughs> I, l- I love that. With hamburgers. Everything but the ice cold Corona. So I hope you're your, uh, There's Corona's down there too. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I got a big, my granddaughter, my granddaughter has got one of those really expensive, you know, things you put my stuff in, coolers. My cooler's about 40 years old and it's falling apart and duct taped. <laughs> She's got one of these expensive $300 ones and it's full of Corona's for me. Love it. Love it. Hey, on a serious note, you mentioned uh, seeing the ships come in uh, with the U.S. Navy. Hey, Godspeed to all those that serve in uniform throughout this weekend. And, of course, those made the ultimate sacrifice on Monday with Memorial Day. Y'all keep keep them and their families in in your thoughts and prayers. Okay, so, Tony, I'm going to pass the baton to Greg, and we're getting down to business. But what what are you looking forward to the next few months? Music, live, and uh, already seeing it happen. We're going to Asheville for uh, North Carolina for the Ash Jam in the end of June. And uh, the Outlaw Country Music Festival is coming to Atlanta. Willie Nelson is back on tour, uh, bringing wow. Sturgill Simpson to Atlanta. And he's bringing uh, Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. That'll be out on the, I still call it the Verizon Amphitheater grounds, uh, the grass and Nice called something menu. else, but I can never remember. Yeah, Damaris, or yeah, I think it changed names again. It's like, uh, yeah, but anyhow, that's that's happening. Music live, back in business, and uh, grateful to be vaccinated and not worry as much when I sit out on the lawn with people. Mm, awesome, so much. I appreciate all your sharing, all those good thoughts and positive vibes. There, it's, it's, it's been, it's it's uh, as we've said a thousand times, keeping a healthy sense of humor. And optimistic outlook has been really important as we're getting through these these challenging uh, weeks and months. Okay, Gregory White, where are we going next with this distinguished panel? Well, I think we ought to just find out just how distinguished the panel is. <laughs> so, so let's ask Dr. Oliver Hedgepeth. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, your work at American Public University, a little bit about your, your journey there, I think would be interesting for folks, and then what you're doing with APU and AMU. All right. Well, my journey began in logistics many, many years ago. I'm a logistician. I've had three careers, all in logistics. And uh, I work at American Public University, which is online. It's, you know, it's online university. It's celebrating its 30th year this year. And we have uh, just graduated about 14,000 people, I believe, something like that. It's a big number. But our university is exciting to me. I came from University of Alaska. I was logistics director there and uh, retired out of there and came back here to the beach area. And we developed a reverse logistics program at APU. We got really involved in understanding what was going on. I was really excited about uh, what was happening with uh, RLA. I got involved in RLA early on when it was getting in, getting started and uh, got all excited and we really said, let's develop some reverse logistics programs along with our supply chain and, and other things, which I think is cool because I'm a logistician. I mean, I, I love moving boxes and worrying about them, where they're going and the supply chains and how complex they are. Oliver, yeah. if I can just put in for a second. Please, Greg, please, please, please. Did you hear that? He loves moving boxes and caring about where they're going. How about yeah. that? I love it. <laughs> it. A lot of people need to move, move boxes. The one thing this, this pandemic did it identified where the boxes were not. You know, this is really cool. I've got students who come in and said, I didn't realize how big the supply chain was 
And these students of mine have been working in a warehouse, you know, for 25 or 30 years. They didn't realize their boxes were coming from India or England or the boxes that had, you know, parts coming from Africa all over the world. People didn't realize the clothes we're wearing, this shirt, you know, this shirt says made in USA, but I happen to know that it wasn't 100% made in USA. Even the color, this color comes from Canada. We can't even turn it blue without going to Canada to get it. You know? <laughs> so that's what that's what I'm all about. I love logistics, and our university is right on top of it, especially with the Reverse Logistics Association. We're we're tied in with those folks, and and you know, you know, Reverse Logistics really helps define who we are. People don't really understand that, you know, everything we've got and the trash that's building up. Oh, my goodness. You know, we got to get rid of all this trash stuff. But APU is a good university. There are many online universities out there, but uh, not all of them teach reverse logistics the way we do. A lot of them are doing it. I don't put them down. A lot of them are doing it over in England, Cambridge, all those folks. They're doing it over there, too. So that's who we are. Okay, Hmm. it is. Any questions about what we can we do not do? I tell you. Tony. Well, I, I think uh, so, uh, Tony. I got to ask you this: how how did you connect with Oliver and APU? Well, APU it it, uh, it is the only university that I know of in the world offering a bachelor's program in reverse logistics and a master's hmm. program in reverse logistics. Wow. If there's any other schools, there are none in North America that offer, that I'm aware of, a bachelor's degree. And around the world, there's some focused on reverse logistics, but none offering a master's program. So Oliver's being very humble here because he actually developed that program at the school. It didn't exist. And and for someone like Oliver to stake his career and his background on it and say, this is important, we need to do this. Around the year 2010, they developed this program, put it in. And and by the way, before that, you, you all know, I go a little ways back further in the reverse space, being thrown into it by Phillips around the year 2000, and there was nowhere to learn anything. Right. You, you just, where did you go learn about reverse logistics? The school of hard knocks? I mean, come on, we make enough jokes about that. But at some point, yes, I learned a little bit at the school of hard knocks. Very grateful. But as you all know, we need the young people coming up through the schools to take over and, and be smarter than us. I'm looking forward to a lot of them being a lot smarter than me in this space and figuring out new solutions. So it didn't exist. And, and we thank uh, APU. We now have it posted on our website that they are the education partner for us. I'm proud to say there's board members and other members of the RLA engaged in the program right now, the, the masters. So it's, how could I not run into them, Greg? It's like yeah. reverse logistics. You guys do it. It's It, it was very amazing. And uh, so very cool. That's cool. Yeah. Let me add one yeah, thing. I, it did. I did. I did develop it, yes. I had a uh, student who was getting her PhD dissertation in logistics, and I and I controlled her, you might say, conned her, <laughs> into doing something called reverse logistics. She got excited, and we found out. We studied every university in the world. They have a reverse logistics program little, little, here and there, little, little courses here and there, but no one had a bachelor's or a master's degree, and I convinced our leadership that we needed to do this, and I focused on reverse logistics association. And what you were doing, the business said, the business world is out there. Look what they're doing. They didn't know what reverse logistics was. And and they got excited about it, and they let us go with it. And so now we have, oh, about 120 courses ta-da, that are in development, <laughs> wow. some done development. And we're expanding it, too, by the way. Uh, Tony, we're getting more, we're getting certificates and trying to focus on stuff. But anyway, yeah, toot our horn a little bit. I don't like to, but yeah, we're the only one out there. And uh, if someone's out there listening and says, oh, I got one, please knock on my door and tell me so, okay? But you won't find them, I don't think. That's that's fascinating because it wasn't that long ago that there were only a handful of supply chain chain, practices, right? I mean, basically Michigan State, Penn State, and Stanford, and that was about it. Yeah. And now there are hundreds, literally hundreds of those programs. And and this is an important element of supply chain and it's yeah. worth its own own course of study for sure, because otherwise it will always remain a segment of yeah. of broader supply chain. Right. So I think it's interesting, Tony, that you said there's a lot we can learn 
from the folks who are getting educated on this, right? That the keys that have made supply chain into a discipline rather than a practice is adding things like optimization and data analysis, analytics in and of themselves, right? Mathematical programs and, and deep learning and knowledge about these things. So that aspect of this, as Oliver, you said, so important, so important to understand the dynamics of it at an academic level and then turn that into practice in, in the craft. So I'm curious because I know you teach students all the time, but I'm curious as you are sharing your knowledge of this and, and you're seeing them come through this program, what kind of learnings are you seeing from the perspectives of students coming through your program these days? Well, there's two sides of this. Uh, it's a good question. From the student side, by the way, our, the average, the, the age range of our students is around 22 to 75. 75. Okay? Yeah. And averages around 30 to 40 in that range. And these are people working at Amazon. They're working at Walmart. They're working in a warehouse. They are truck drivers. They're loading it. They're military men and women loading trucks over there in Iraq and other places over the mm -hmm. years. So they're learning what's going on. We're, we're teaching them academics, but they're teaching us what's really going on. Like it doesn't work. Here's what doesn't work. Here's what does work. Or here's how we do things a little differently. Don't worry about waste or anything like that. But the students or the wide range, and they're teaching me because I'm learning from them. There are things going on inside any organization. If you work in an organization, there are things that are not written in the textbook. You know, here's how you do stuff. Real life is real life. It has errors. It has mistakes. And one of the biggest things we teach them and they teach us is what does not work. There are a lot of things don't work in reverse logistics. There are a lot of trucks that turn over. Why does a truck turn over on the highway? Yeah, that's part of our logistics world, okay? Mm -hmm. Why did it turn over? Or why did the entire warehouse collapse? I've seen pictures of that. You may have seen the whole warehouse collapse one time when somebody hit it with a forklift. Oh, yeah. I Next love show. that video. I love that video. I love that video. But yeah. I am learning more than they are. I really believe it. But the ones, what's really exciting about me teaching these people is that my students are Tony's people who belong to him as well, belong to the organization. Yeah. They are there as managers, as supply chain managers, reverse logistics managers, and they're learning something. One of the best things I ever had was, oh, about, I got eight years ago, we started this stuff, eight or nine years ago. One lady came in, she was working in a warehouse and she was taking all this stuff and said, oh yeah, I'm learning all these terms. And she says, you know, I got all this stuff we're throwing away in a warehouse. All this styrofoam and it's cardboard and all this metal stuff. And it's just going to trash. And we started working on it. I said, why don't you write a paper about it? And uh, it's like, well, my boss wants to read a paper. She turned out to be the reverse logistics manager six months later, tripled her salary, and they don't throw anything away. Wow. So it's really exciting. I mean, oh, I learn a lot. I mean, and Tony, Tony's this person, too, who teaches me a lot. And I try to tell him what we're learning, too. But I learn as much as the students do. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I can it. talk for about five more hours on this. <laughs> Well, I know we're just getting the, the we're scratching the tip of the iceberg, but Greg, if I can weigh in for a second, we've got a ton of comments here yeah. from folks in the, uh, our, our dear community members in, in the, the um, uh, aptly named cheap seats, right? Uh, I'm not Worth sure. Everything. Yeah, someone coined that term. But anyway, memory says understanding, kind of going back to what Oliver was saying earlier, understanding the geodiversity of your supply chain partners is always vital. Excellent point there. Peter, uh, and by the way, congrats, Peter, on your daughter's graduation i think from a nursing program so find admission well. admission that? admission to a nursing oh, admission program. too i'm sure yeah. that then um best lessons learned are those that we experienced firsthand yeah excellent point and you know that's one of the several linings of the pandemic is we're learning so much that oftentimes are new learnings right things broke down that we had assumed would would be just fine uh and now we got to apply those lessons learned i think um, sometimes the rest of the world is learning what tony already knew and has been shouting from the rooftop in vain for decades i, I mean truthfully that's the i think that's the case in supply chain in general but tony do you ever i, I just got to ask this do you ever just want to say where have you been, people been yes <laughs> i do want to say that all the time especially yeah. in the last year as it came to a head at their face, right? The yeah. pandemic drove that reverse logistics 
front and forward. And uh, but it, well, but not it, only did it impact people heavily, Tony, but they had all day to sit and think about it because nobody was working or <laughs> anything, right? So, yeah, it is interesting, and I think you know, I think I am, as Scott said, thankful for the benefit of this awareness. At the same time, I'm hopeful that it doesn't take another global catastrophe for us to to recognize the frailties and the opportunities in supply chain and reverse logistics, right? Agreed. Excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, as Leah, it is interesting to see how there is a plethora of academic experience and work experience and work experience that can all find a place in supply chain and it's all applicable. I love that. Abilash, we're going to be we're going to be kind of answering this question indirectly throughout the whole conversation, so stay tuned. And let's see here. Peter says or a simple told you so, Tony. <laughs> Do you want to do it now, Tony? <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> All right. So, so Greg, where are we? Uh, let's see here. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. All right. Let's get back on track, Scott. What do you? <laughs> Tony, how could you have derailed us like that? I, you know, it wasn't I, me I know at all. Peter derailed us because I liked his comment about in the seventies, reverse logistics was backing into a parking space coupled with a 15% restocking charge. Exactly. That, that's, that's, right. that's what people thought of with reverse logistics. And, uh, no and, and I did see a comment also from Keith back at that, a good description of what you RLA used to be thought of. I do want everyone to know this is not your grandfather's RLA anymore. Yeah. It's, 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 this is RLA 2.0 since 2016, 2017, with a new website, new advisory board, new members, um, and, and great people involved, like like Dr. Oliver and, and others. So um, it's not your daddy's uh, RLA anymore. I'm glad yeah, for that. That's true. Well, so let, so that's a good point. And I think it's a good juxtaposition against the history of, of supply chain and reverse logistics. So Oliver, it would be great if you could share with us kind of the, what you see in the current state of of reverse logistics and the education around there 120 programs is that what you said is it 120 courses courses right? yeah about 120 courses and developing more and more and more dr robert gordon's in charge of it now and there and he's doing a great job innovating you know where we're going to go to different areas because yeah it's what do, you, what do you think are the biggest areas where we need increased knowledge around reverse logistics Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, I know. <laughs> Where do we begin? A ask yeah. a professor that question or ask Tony that question. Let me tell you, the um, pandemic opened a lot of doors of what's going wrong and broken. That's one thing. And one of the factors of reverse logistics is not just, you know, what do you do with this cup when it's broken or plastic bottles that are flooding, you know, the oceans up in Alaska, but IT you know, IT, information technology. We need to do some reverse logistics thinking on information and data that's being moved around. I come from the early days of uh, computer generations of data and how we manage data when it was bits and bytes. And now we have billions of bytes of pieces of data flooding us 24-7 about our business, what's going on and where things are in the supply chain. So we need to worry about managing not just a physical something, we also the electronics. So I really make when you look at some e-commerce e type of things, electronic stuff. That's one thing people need to understand. It's more than just a box now. It's data. Look at look at us. What we're doing right here and the mm -hmm. technology we're using is really exciting. Trying to figure out how we're talking and communicating back and forth, but that information shares supply chain data to somebody. And you got to get it to somebody right on time. There are still companies. I work with companies in Alaska and across the country that really don't have good electronics communications about what's breaking, what's going wrong. Uh, truck drivers really are now tuned in 24-7 every second. Something goes wrong on a truck. He says, I got something going wrong. Back back in the office, they know what's going on. They know the tractor trailer just rolled over. They probably know it as it's rolling over. But we need the communication. There's a lot of people still don't talk properly and we need to understand how to manage that data and there's a lot of bad data and good data as we're seeing in the world so i'd say it assets or you know or e-commerce that's one thing uh, besides just manufacturing you know, yeah. electronic yeah. data that's one big area of, of looking at where we need to go next if i can well i got good news for you there oliver and that is uh, we were talking about this a little bit before you guys came on and that is because of some of the 
government mandates in Europe, we're seeing a ton of innovation in technology come out of there. And it is um, what some people call re-commerce, where, you know, so many people have seen the video of LVMH or whatever brand, big luxury brands burning their goods rather than putting them into the secondary market. Absolute travesty, frankly, I think criminal, but not that anyone cares what I think, but except Scott. Um, <laughs> that's only for that's only for seconds at a time, but they are they are starting to figure out how to even those luxury goods get those back into play and big goods, which stunningly things like furniture go to the landfill rather than going back into commerce, and it, it's just stunning at the rate at which that happens. So there is hope, there is activity. I think that, that activity will come across the ocean soon, much like the Beatles did. And we'll see them on a, on a network television show. And we'll be introducing the next wave of reverse logistics technology. So, so Tony, what, since we posed the question to Oliver, what about you? What do you think needs to be more educated on or more focused on more acted on? Well, I mean, the topic here too is, is basic that there's not enough education. We're talking about how do we educate? We can't do it just through these live stream broadcasts. We'd love to do them, but ultimately we need educated people with, with a train. The 120 courses, that's that's a nice start. There's a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's kind well, of Well, there's only so much one school can do, right, Tony? I mean, that's what we really need is more schools to recognize what Oliver has, I think, right? Absolutely. And so that's a topic. And and then I want to make sure that it isn't just about reverse logistics. It's about the whole industry, which is incredibly broad. As we've discussed so many times, we have a wide range of, of listeners that you've brought on and it's, and it's very broad. It's almost too broad. It scares us, which is why the degree is important. But it's also becoming such a big deal right now. We may have said this before, but you can't say it enough. Circular economy. That's mm -hmm. become a big buzzword. We're taking sustainability and we're going to the next level. Don't just design it for an afterlife, but build it so that it can be reused, repurposed. I saw an interesting quote, Greg and Scott, that uh, that Apple is announcing they want to recycle all their old phones into new phones. And they also acknowledge that it is now less expensive to get a ton of gold out of cell phones than out of the ground. Yeah. Think about that. That That's circular. That's it. And uh, the technology is there now to get the gold out of your old phones. And think about that. More gold out of your old phones than out of the ground. And it's recycling. It's it's just, that's a that was a cool one. I read that with this past week or so. Well, it's funny you say that, Tony, because I just experienced the strangest thing. I just bought a new phone. Yeah. And the program was they gave me a seven hundred dollar credit for my current phone. <laughs> How much so gold is in there? <laughs> I got the new phone for ninety nine bucks. Yeah, rare so, earth. Rare earth. I wish we had launched that program years ago. But uh, yeah. and Greg, Greg spoke about uh, some of that on his uh, listen up POV on LinkedIn today. Which, which by the way. Y'all got y'all y'all can't miss that. He usually drops that about eight twenty each morning on LinkedIn. You got to follow and connect with Greg to see it. Hey, I, all right, I've got to wade in here. There's so much good stuff. All three of y'all have been talking about. We've got a ton of comments. I've got to share a couple of these. I'm going to start with kind of continuing some of the resources and some of what needs to be in programs uh, since we've got Oliver and Tony. So Keith Connolly, uh, Keith used to be uh, formerly, I think he retired from AT and T as a VP of supply chain a year or so ago. My time frame may be off, but Keith, hope this finds you well. How about College of Charleston picking up Keith Connolly and that, all of that experience? So he asked a great question here. He says, I recently started as an adjunct at the College of Charleston with one semester under my belt. I found a great end-to-end -end supply chain text, but coverage on reverse is paltry, especially compared to the importance in my mind of this. I love that, Keith. Do you know of any texts or other books that you could recommend for colleges? Yes. Oliver? Take the stage. Tony, Tony, Tony. Well, Tony. the original textbook, folks, Going Backwards. How great is that a name for a book on reverse logistics? Going Love Backwards, it. written by Dr. Dale Rogers, Dr. Ron Lemke, and it's free. Yeah. <laughs> I've said this story before. It is wow. free. It's on the RLA.org site. 
It's about 200 pages and it's incredible. Yeah. And, and Oliver, I admire that some textbooks are just simply classic. If, if they're written smart, then what's in there can apply two decades later. And it does. So the information in Going Backwards is a great textbook. It's free. Download it and enjoy it. Yeah, uh, my comment. Yeah, I've I've known Dale Rogers uh, uh, a long time, and we got involved in reverse logistics. He's he's the king of reverse logistics in my mind. Doing the, the survey of what's going on out there and writing that book. That that was a book mm. that I used in all my classes, along with the normal supply chain management text or logistics text, of which there are thousands out there. But to really make it makes sense because the textbooks give you all this perfect way for a warehouse to work, a perfect way for a supply chain to work. What you want to do is find out what breaks. Okay. A good supply chain manager doesn't finish that cup of coffee, doesn't take the first sip in the morning until the phone rings and says, oh, we don't have that supply coming from India right now. And so we're going to be delayed at General Motors on those seats that are supposed to be in there at six o'clock tonight. That's his first cup of coffee. There are some realities there. And Dale Rogers brought that to my attention and to everybody. So, yeah, that book, but you know, Dale Rogers, and that's that's the king. Of, but he did research. He got paid some money to go out and study all these things that are going on at various companies. And it's still good today because at mm. the key points, he brings out that here's what fails. I just free, free at RLA.org, right? Well, it's not our book. It's not our book, Tony. It, it is fr it is free it's on free. our website. Join the, if you join the community, and joining right. the community does not have a cost right now. All right, that's awesome. All right, that's oh, a great okay. service. So oh, one Tanya. university, <laughs> Tanya. Thank you. I keep speaking the truth. <laughs> what, whatever that truth might be. Okay, if you still like it, it's truth. Okay. <laughs> so I've got to ask this uh, this this question from Mervin. You know, we're all after a frank discussion here, and and Mervin's a part, regular part of our live streams. Hope this finds you well, Mervin. You know. This is a good question, and and, and I'll, I'll throw this out to our, all three of y'all here. He doesn't mean to be skeptical, but but how sustainable is that circular economy? Who would like to address that first? Tony, take that first. Well, I think I just gave the example on, on Apple's commitment to take phones back and rebuild them into new phones. It's It's incredibly sustainable. The circular economy involves design and a way to reuse, repurpose. And I'm very proud. I spoke earlier this past week with an apparel conference. And you don't think about clothing normally as being repurposed, reused. And I'm proud that there are companies out there in the RLA members who take old clothing, re return at the stores, and they can repair it. They can rebutton it, rezipper it, sew it if it needs it, and then it can be resold. And it sounds like a lot of labor, but yeah, you know, vintage clothing. It's popular again now. So and and I really know the surveys indicate the younger generations respond very well to vintage products. They just do. They're they're willing to because they can consider a commitment to the economy, the ecology, the world, the planet, everything. You can take old stuff, use it again, and feel good about it. Mm. Yeah, the uh my yeah, sustainability is and, and you're not it's not it's like logistics and supply chains and reverse all of us together. Not every supply chain is working hundred percent sustainability. Everybody didn't just say, Oh, here's what it is. And let's all do it. It costs money for our company to invest in sustainability or recycling things and to bring it back. What AT&T is doing with the phones is great, but not every product, you know, is being, is, is being used that way or recycled that way. It just takes time. You know, like many things, but I, I got to say, reverse logistics, what we're doing, what you're doing at RLA, it's it's come of age. It is it is more common now in every place I go, every warehouse I talk to, they understand it. They do it. Mm -hmm. uh, look at uh, <laughs> look at Amazon and all the robots that are moving around. We have some of that stuff that's part of it as well. Yeah. Okay. Technology, but sustainability, it's there, but it's not 100%. We just need to keep working it. And it's getting better. Yeah. All right. So, Greg, I'm going to throw it back to you for uh, your last question. But really quick, it, it does take time. However, I would argue, just like when President Kennedy threw the gauntlet down and said we're going to have folks on the moon by the end of the decade, it seems like the pandemic uh, ha has also added a huge sense of urgency to address a number of issues. And, and 
you know, again, when you look for silver linings in a really tough, tough time, I mean, industry yeah. is going to be better off and much stronger, whether we like it or not, getting through the painful days ahead because of what we've experienced. So, Greg, uh, where are we going next? Well, can I, is it okay if I address that before please. we move on? Yeah, please. I, I, hopefully I'm right. I, I, well, I think it's a hell of a lot more sustainable than the alternative, which is n not to try. Yeah. And I think the economics support it. The e economics may not support for every brand or every retailer or every manufacturer to do the reverse themselves. But where there is chaos, there is profit. And where there is profit, there are new companies. And I and I see, like I said, I see lots of new company companies coming in to try to solve different aspects of that solution. So, uh, and even aside from that, it is every bit as sustainable as each one of us consumers commits to committing to it. You know, we really are the final arbiter. Those of us who hold those goods in our hands, we really are the final arbiter of, of how sustainable, how practical, how executed, how well executed reverse logistics is. You know, one of the examples Mervyn gave was aluminum, right? So, you know, if we make sure that happens, it happens. And, uh, you know, I think with those three dynamics going for us, it's eminently simple. It won't be 100%, but it will be a lot better than it is today. And it better be. Yeah, excellent um, point. Yeah, I mean, we just have to do it. So, so speaking of which, speaking of looking to the future, Oliver, how are you guys? How do you, how do you feel like APU and, and your programs, how do you feel? And of course, your association with RLA, how do you feel like you're helping to accomplish some of those things or helping to drive people towards some of those things in a future forward way? Well, I go to conferences, logistics, supply chain conferences, reverse logistics, association conferences and talk. OK, I write. I, I write every week. I'm publishing something. But one of the things we need to do is in the academic world, my academic world is We've been talking about things, you know, that you can see. I can see that. We're going to recycle it, your phone. But there's other things going on that I was excited about this last two years from the government. You know, there's a government push. There's a government thing on reverse logistics. I found out uh, this last two years there's a Congressional Recycling Act. I bet no one knew about that. Or there's a Congressional Plastic Solution Task Force. There's a task force out there trying to find out how to do stuff with plastic. I may not agree with everything they recommend, but they're thinking it. And there's a presidential plastics action plan. You, you know, you know that the president's into, you know, at that, that high level of politics, no matter what side you're on, it's, it's actually going on in Congress and elsewhere in the, in the world of thinking politics and government control. And there's government money being used to invest in recycling, invest in a new way of turning something into a new product. So that's one of the things exciting about me. It's more than just what, how business is doing. It's more than what Walmart's doing or Amazon's doing or the little company down the street's doing. It really is all tied together. It goes back to that sustainability question. It's not all there yet, but it's all working together. This is an extremely complex area. Tony is on top of probably the most complex supply chain operation in the world. I really believe it. Mm. That's where we're at. And, and, and that's you know, my little speech. Hey, well, Oliver, I admire how you acknowledge all the gains that, that uh, your program and the, the academic community have made, but you still at the same time acknowledge, hey, there's a lot more work mm -hmm. and heavy lifting to be done. That, you know, that's that frankness we don't always get, I think, and uh, across the training and professional development and, and academic circles. So I really appreciate that. We're, we see we blinked and it's twelve fifty one and we still got we still got a little more to, to get into here. We've had a lot of comments here from um, uh, from uh, the community. Greg, I'm gonna move us ahead if if, we, if that's okay with everybody. Go really, for it. You know, Tony, yeah. I want to get to you here. Um, really appreciate you bringing Oliver with you here today, uh, and, and we talk we dive deeper into the the education needs that we have as a global industry. But Tony, apart from that, when you survey global business and put your finger to the pulse. What else is really sticking out like a big sore thumb that you're tracking more than others right now? I was really proud to see Best Buy get the uh, recognition for zero waste certification for one of their returns facilities, the one that we toured two years ago with, with one of our, our member uh, seminars. So really proud to see that going on. And, you know, everyone needs to consider that the net carbon programs and so on, 
those are reverse logistics programs. They have to figure out a way to reduce what's going out to uh, make it uh, reduced on the way back and, and do something with that. So really proud of that. But I also want, while we've got Oliver, let, let's acknowledge that there's a great career in reverse logistics for anyone, okay? I came out of sales. I'm a sales guy, right? Smoke and mirrors. In reverse logistics, it's not smoke and mirrors, folks. It's hands-on. You got to yeah. do something with this stuff. So it, it has great career potential. If you're in supply chain, move over a little bit and you can become a freaking hero at your company. Because on supply chain, we've said this before, you can save pennies on packaging. On the reverse side, you can save thousands of dollars if you can slow them down or find a better use for them. You think your company won't appreciate that? And what we don't have enough of right now, there's, there's only one vice president of reverse logistics that I know of in the climate right now. One with the Vox company. And that's it. I look for them on LinkedIn, but you don't find vice presidents of reverse logistics. So that's going to th- change. There needs to be. Undoubtedly, that will change. Th- there will yeah. be, yes. And so get into the space, get get the degree, get the education, go out there and move from supply chain just a few degrees over, and you can own the world. So, Tony, I think, you know, humble observation is just like organizations have really identified in the last five years of what true supply chain expertise and experience can offer to an organization and then how they can weaponize it in a positive sense and how that adds to the competitive advantage. And so then they start reorganizing the organization and create functional layers of leadership and then bring them into the C-suite. I think in many ways, maybe not exactly, but many ways, a lot of those dynamics are going to eventually reply, uh, be applied to the reverse side because especially if you want to be an e-commerce player, consumers are demanding better answers. And even though we don't have them all today, we're going to have to have that, that more functionally oriented leadership that know how to get returns handled and, and how to handle the customer and employee experience and partner experience, supplier experience on the reverse side, as well as just, just getting stuff done and move stuff from a reverse manner. So I think that's the crystal ball ahead, I believe, undeniably. Everything um, you said, Scott, is so true. And I want to tell you, I spoke to an SVP from one of the largest retailers in the world. They don't know where to put the reverse logistics group. Is it sustainability? Is it customer care? Is it supply chain? Is it sales? I mean, you just said so many areas that it, it's involved in, and they're calling me for advice. Where should we put it? Mm-hmm. And I think we have to have kind of a, a conference just on where does reverse logistics belong in org structures? Uh, maybe a new course. Hey, I got to tell <laughs> Robert charged. Gordon, we got a new course. Thank you very much. 121. And, and char- charts, leadership charts and organizational yeah. charts will yeah. be redesigned undoubtedly. I want to share a couple of comments and I want to come back and get Greg's comments here on what we've just tackled. See, Charles, Charles, hope this finds you well. Zero waste initiatives are amplified in reverse yeah. logistics. And he also says reverse logistics builds character. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I want to go back to Tanya. Tanya said earlier, even in the Fortune 100 and 500 banking industry, it started doing reverse logistics on H uh, on HW side per your comment, Oliver. Hardware, yeah. excellent point. Probably Tanya. tech hardware. Yeah, yep. yeah. There you go, Tanya. Hopefully, you will not be a stranger, and you'll keep coming back to some of these live streams. I love your your comments here. Peter says all about the use and reuse to be the change. I appreciate that, Peter. And one final one from Keith Duckworth, and I'm coming to you, Greg. Keith says I work in IT supply chain for that might be Michigan State. Michigan State University, and a mm-hmm. big push in academia and businesses is to either find ways to repurpose IT yeah. equipment and have it supported by a company providing after OEM support or sell it back to a company to repurpose it and sell it yeah. to someone else. Love that yeah. thinking, Keith. There's so much so much still goodness that you can get out of this this growing these growing mountains of electronic equipment, hardware equipment. Okay, Gregory, man, there's so much so much to be said, so little time, but I know you're, you're chomping a bit to kind of respond to some of the things that we've been talking about in the last few minutes. Well, I think you're hard pressed to find a, a bigger impact on, on the environment than, than reverse logistics and supply chain. Of course, there's a ton of waste in moving stuff forward. Eyes are all over that today, right? We're changing fuels for yeah. ships. You know, we'll eventually be autonomous and electric for for trans- transport vehicles, all sorts of transport vehicles. But you know, some of what was really shocking to me in 
and Tony, we talked about this last time you were on, uh, last couple times, the couches after being ordered and rejected go to the landfill. I mean, it's just insane some of what this is. So the impact is dramatic. The initiative is worthy. The, you know, the response and the capability is woefully inadequate, adequate, not for the fault of either of these two gentlemen here and their respective teams, because Oliver and APU are a, they are a force of one and 121 classes, <laughs> right? Now 121. And likewise with RLA, you know, they're out there and have been shouting from the rooftops forever. Tony is attacking, he's attacking sustainability. He's attacking reverse from a prevention and from a resolution standpoint, both of which are necessary. And think about how long it took us to figure that out in supply chain to think, hey, if we didn't do this idiotic thing to begin with, we wouldn't have this portion of supply chain. Tony figured that out when he was still a sales guy. So, so we're way ahead of the game in terms of intellect, in terms of will. What we need is more hands and feet on the ground and, and more heads in the game. And, uh, you know, to that extent, I think also we need more academia. Poor Oliver and the APU gang, they're shouting into the wilderness now. They need somebody to hear that message and to, and to echo it back and for them to be able to collaborate like the 500 supply chain programs in the, in the states do today for supply chain. We need at least one more. I would say at least yeah. one more reverse logistics academic program in the States for sure. Um, and I think, you know, an, an international effort will probably have to come before an additional academic effort uh, comes because it's it's a much bigger deal in places where people live much more closely together, like in Europe, yeah. like in Asia. And, and there's a lot we can learn. And the beauty of our world today is there are no physical boundaries. There's not, as my, as my father used to say when I was a, a, what should I say, enthusiastic driver, son, you can't outrun radio. And the truth is, <laughs> the truth is you can't outrun, you can't outrun, you know, this sort of digital media that can be broadcast, is being broadcast around the world right now and can connect organizations and people and initiatives in an instant and forever. So that's, that's my take on it. That, that, I wish I could do a standing ovation uh, for all three of y'all, but Greg, I think that really puts a, a great uh, period on this conversation dialogue we're having. We've got to have Oliver back. Of course, Tony's with us uh, just about every single month. And, you know, we're very proud to you know, help, help get that message out there because there's so much goodness that RLA and, and Tony and the voices of the industry are doing. We've got to have these conversations, right? The industry will be better off if we feel in these blind spots because uh, consumers are demanding demanding it and uh and the times are demanding it as well so tony how, how can folks connect with you and rla well if they can spell my name then they can find me pretty easily on linkedin Sharota's not the easiest one so write that down linkedin is popular and then uh www.rla.org it's free to join the community my picture's there somewhere and a lot of the rest of the great team the advisory board and a lot of information for free Awesome. And better yet, we've, we've got the one click on the show notes. So you can connect with Tony and Oliver that way. Oliver, you're back. How yep. can folks connect with you? Well, uh, I got a phone number somewhere here on my phone. It <laughs> oh, says, uh, really, <laughs> somebody get a, if you got paper and pencil, I don't know if you do, 804, okay, 921-0493. That's this phone right here. I don't mind somebody call me. I'll cut it off at 11 o'clock at night, so you can't reach me at 3 in the morning. But 804-921-0493, you know, and, uh, and my email address is william.hedgepath, if you can spell it, at mycampus.apus.edu. Uh, give me a call. And, and then call. we'll make it even easier. So if you, if, if you didn't get if, – if you're if – you're, Driving up Chicago or flying up Chicago to get here, Greg White, next week at his keynote, and you didn't get a chance to write it down, hey, reach out to Amanda at SupplyChainNow.com. We'll make sure we get you connected. Of course, you've got LinkedIn profiles in the show notes as well. And uh, and there you go, Greg. Thank you. That, man, that's, that's quick that's on the trigger. It. That's it. Hey, by the way, you know what the last mile is in logistics? What is the last mile in recycling and sustainability? That's another course. 
122, 122. And oh, yeah. Greg, I think you and I are both trying to throw this up there with, with Keith. I'm yeah. Understanding yeah. Sorry. I love that. Uh, <laughs> Charles says, call now, call now. Yours, yours, yours. Okay. <laughs> and, give me Leah. a call. I dare you. I dare you. Give me a call. Tell me you didn't oh. like what I said. Come on, give me a call. You're going to get 10 at once. I guarantee you. Yes, you are. Well, hey, I, I love it. You know, before we went live, Oliver said, you can ask me whatever question you want to. And tough questions, you name it, bring it. And I love that spirit. We need to have, we need to, we need to celebrate those that are welcoming of the tougher conversations and the tougher yeah. questions. That's how we're going to move forward yeah. as a globe, not just a one industry or one sector or one country as a globe. So um, a pleasure to have uh, Dr. William Oliver Hedgepath, professor, American Public University, with us here today, along with our dear friend, Tony Shirota with the Reverse Logistics Association. Folks, hope you have a wonderful weekend. Tony, we'll see you again soon. Oliver, we'll have to reconnect with you once Please again do. really soon. Thanks for what you're doing. Enjoy you, your Tom. burger, gents. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Thank All right, you, everyone. Wow, man, that was a lively conversation. I, I enjoyed it, I think, as much as, as you did, Greg. But I got to tell yes. you, off topic. Off topic as we start to wrap here, uh, and thanks to all the great comments and and questions and perspective. That comment you made about you can't outrun radio. That's that that is kind of the modern day equivalence of that is you, know, you can't outrun data and information here in the information age. And to that right. end, I found myself the other day. You know, I'm a big YouTube fan. I'm, I, I, it's amazing what you can find on YouTube, how to this, that, and the other. But I happened to catch live some good old boys from Alabama that had made the venture up to Kansas, the Hayes, Kansas area. Oh, my. They were, they were chasing storms, and they were live streaming as they were doing it. But wait, it gets better. So these guys had about everything you needed to chase storms, clearly the equipment, technology, you name it. But they were, were cutting down through fields on dirt roads on that Kansas deadpan, and it was after a big rain, and they got stuck. And it was, it was some of the most enjoyable 30 minutes of live problem solving you could see so you, to your point you can't outrun radio you can't outrun the internet and if you're lucky you can outrun some of the storms in there in the midwest but yeah all i could envision i, I could just see you walking up with a uh <laughs> there from the fields saying boys what are y'all doing but we'll have to save that uh those those that's exactly how it happens in western kansas it'd be something like you boys stuck <laughs> <laughs> That's I'll a shame. I'll rich about tractor, a thousand bucks an hour. Yeah. But uh, good stuff there on YouTube. All right, but but uh, great stuff here. I mean, what a great installment of our series focused on the reverse logistics space, the return space, this this growing importance, and of course with our friends over at the Reverse Logistics Association. Yeah, as y'all saw in the comments, it's, it's uh, free to become a member of the online community. You can check out the resources like some of those that dropped here, and uh, don't miss their September big national event out in Vegas, which you can find that RLA.org. But Greg, before Vegas I sign community. off, yeah. yeah, before I sign off, what would your, your final thought? I think the, probably the most important thing that we can do is as consumers, not even as supply chain professionals is figure out what we can do to Mervin's point earlier. It, this entire thing is sustainable as we are willing to put effort into it. I, I, I had this flash through my mind as I was doing that diatribe earlier, and that is we used to spend all our time as human beings just trying to survive. Certainly, we can take a little bit of the time that we used to spend trying to survive to help assure our survival by doing some simple things like putting the aluminum where the aluminum goes and the glass where the glass goes and all of that sort of thing. So contribute whatever you can and consider it your sort of caveman offering to survival. Excellent. Point. I mean, to me, it's it's the simplest way to think about it. Yeah, you know, lots of t-shirt isms today. Lots of real, real frank conversation here today. And you know, I think you mentioned recycling. I think the recycling industry could could we'd all be better off. If there was a lot more clarity and honesty in in, in some of the recycling uh, conversations that are out there. So yeah, honesty is that's an excellent observation, Scott. Right? What do they call it? Greenwashing. You pretending know, like you're contributing, right? Well, that and and just all all of uh, what is communicated can be recycled and will be recycled. That ultimately, to your point, you know, once they got it, there's no games. It's just going straight to the the dump. And we, yeah, 
We can't have that. So, yeah. but there's lots of great organizations and thought leaders that are working again about that circularity and, and, and they're, they're driving the conversation so that we hopefully don't have nearly as many as those, those outcomes in the, uh, uh, with the next generation. So on on behalf of our entire team here, we've run over almost 10 minutes. We have had so much fun. What a, so many great comments, great panelists, and of course, all the great insights from the comments. Thank you all. And don't, don't be strangers. Y'all come back. Uh, we're, we're, we won't, we won't be doing the buzz on Monday, right? Memorial day is, is a day to really appreciate uh, and, and celebrate those that uh, made those ultimate sacrifices. But we'll be back with you on Wednesday at 12 noon with Mike Griswold with Gartner once again. And I uh, hope you'll join in the conversation on behalf of Greg White and Amanda and Natalie and Clay all behind the scenes here today. Uh, Tony and Oliver, our guests. Hey, Scott Luton signing off. Hope you all have a wonderful weekend wherever you are, but most importantly, do good give forward and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.